Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is gonna be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Bears beats The Office on Peacock. Stream every moment from Dunder Mifflin and explore bonus extras and exclusives. Plus, if you're looking for more classic hits, you can stream every episode of Parks and Recreation, Two and a Half Men, and every season of SNL. In the mood for something brand new? Check out Peacock's original comedies, The Amber Ruffin Show, and Saved by the Bell. Whether you're craving a new binge or familiar fave, you can find tons of comedy hits on Peacock. Get started for free at PeacockTV.com. It's still really damn it, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Touch Show, episode number 617 for December 9th, 2021. This is your WWE NXT War Games Recap and Review Edition of SRTU. I'm one half of the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co-host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, it was very weird not saying NXT TakeOver, my friend. Yeah, that's odd. Uh, <clears throat> thank God for me, my contract's not up, so I'm not going anywhere. But yeah, I, I'm I'm still flummoxed with the uh, NXT changes over the last year. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange feeling. Th- this is going to be. Uh, let me preface this by saying, by looking at like the things I want to talk about on this week's edition of the show, Doctor Trey, this is going to be one of those like weird feeling shows because, like, you get what's going on. But you're still sad with what you're seeing. And I feel like that's kind of the the week of, of wrestling that we saw. <laughs> I like it. It's wrestling. I watched it and I felt sad. So that should be the new tagline for all these shows. Like, I get what you're doing. It just makes me sad on the inside. So, uh, I, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'll i dig a little bit deeper here. I'm not a big change guy when I like what I'm seeing in professional wrestling, right? Like things that we enjoy and we feel like they shouldn't be changed when they get changed it makes us feel sad and even though we've seen 2.0 for a while now um it feels like officially we we've seen the end of an era i guess that's basically me coming out and saying what i meant by all that yeah and i I get that like there i mean i watched 2.0 and i'm like you know i i think i kind of watch for toxic attraction more than anything else um because my, my, my crush on Mandy Rose is, has never waned. Uh, I feel like Corey Graves half the time when he talks about her. Uh, but, he, like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'm not a big change guy. And, and the older you get, 
the the harder it is to adapt to change. And you know, I, I get where they're going, and I get some of the stuff that I saw on the interwebs this week about like a bunch of college athletes. I get what they're trying to do, uh, but that doesn't mean I have to like it yet. You're gonna have to make me like it. This is kind of like the kid who's like, oh, I don't like green beans. I don't like green beans, and then eventually he's like. Yeah, they're not so bad. And then you get a little bit older, you're like, yeah, I like my green beans. This is kind of where I'm at right now. You've got to make me like these. You've got to figure out a way to sauce this up enough for me to warrant tasting it a second time. Uh, speaking of uh, green beans, uh, let's get into recapping and reviewing <laughs> NXT TakeOver War Games. I, there's no other segue to that. <laughs> there's there's um, no other way to segue out of that. Speaking of green beans, I'm just I, like, I, don't even, I don't have even Thanksgiving to like use as a crutch. Oh, that's true. My bad. I, I, I usually I give you something good to segue with. I gave you green beans. I apologize. Could you have done it like three weeks ago? <laughs> I bet I, if they had ran war games when they're supposed to, I could true. have. But true. No, no, no. Save it for after Thanksgiving. Speaking of green beans, Doctor Trey, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it's fantastic. I had a bunch of people in my house that I didn't like, and uh, I stayed outside most of the time. Hey, question for you, because we've had this debated here up in the uh, the northeast sector of the country. Macaroni and cheese, is it on the table for Thanksgiving for you? Yeah, absolutely. See, it's now, not up here. Hold on. If it's my Thanksgiving, yes. Did they have it at ours? No, because my family decided, like, let's mix up green beans. I mean, excuse me, let's make it, uh, mix up macaroni and cheese with other stuff. And they make, like, casseroles out of it. So I don't get straight green beans. But my lovely wife uh, made dinner last night, and I had pork chops, green beans, and macaroni and cheese. Yeah, I'm a big macaroni and cheese guy. But so most of the time for your Thanksgiving, you have macaroni and cheese? If I'm in charge of the the meal planning for Thanksgiving, yes. But when it becomes a – it's all the in-laws and me, I get vetoed. Okay. Okay. We were talking about that here uh, pretty recently, actually. So I guess somewhat of a segue. Out of yeah. the green beans and into NXT War Games recap and review. Jeez. Speaking of macaroni and cheese, <laughs> let's get into it. Ra- <laughs> Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray, uh, they defeated Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction in the War Games match. Dr. Trey correctly predicted Raquel, Io, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray getting the victory. Uh, Cora Jade's Swanton Bomb was a star making moment for her young career. Uh, ironic that was the move there uh, based off of the news that happened today which we'll talk about later on Io Shirai popping Cora Jade's shoulder back in was a great spot because we never had seen that before uh, I thought the War Games match was alright the theme of the match was trying to make Cora Jade a star with a big spot injury kicking out of Mandy Rose's finisher and fighting through her injury to get the pin uh, short term I, I guess it's worked uh, great to see Cora Jade get in the spotlight uh, obviously I wouldn't have thought this two three weeks ago but your thoughts on the women's war games match, Dr. Trey? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was okay. Uh, not the best one I've seen. Uh, maybe the worst, but not quite. I don't know. It, it's kind of close. It's, it's towards the bottom of the, of the women's war games match. We've had, so we've, I, I think you could had, say it is the worst. Yeah, okay. So we've had, what, three now, I think? Uh, yeah, so you had the the one last year was really good with EO taking the, and the dumpster. One with turning on Tegan Knox. That was a good one too. And I think yeah, that so may have been the first one. Yeah, so okay, so this is the worst of the three. Um I I I, I thought it was okay. Like the Corey J stuff I get, but it's almost like you're sacrificing the other women to make this one a star, and I get it because she I mean she's bubbly, she's cute, she's energetic, she's the kind I mean she's you know 
I don't want to say she's AJ Lee like when AJ first got to WWE, but I mean, you can kind of make those comparisons. So, you know, I can see somebody when the higher ups looking at her going, Oh, she could be our next AJ Lee. Uh, let's work with that and, and kind of get her over in this match. So like, I, I get like, tell her something earlier. It, it's changed. I, I know why they're doing what they're doing. I see why, what they're doing, but that doesn't mean I actually like it. I mean, you look at the other one in this match, and I mean, Kaylee Ray's been very underutilized since coming over from NXT UK. Toxic Attraction's been a, a big push. Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez. I mean, they've all had their moments. EO's been, you know, former NXT Women's Champion. So I get why they're trying to make a new star out of their, you know, self-in-house trained people, but it doesn't mean I love it. Yeah, um, and it doesn't help when the crowd's like chanting, you can't skate to her. Um, <laughs> I think they're trying to catch that lightning in a bottle but kind of force feeding a little bit that, you know, that underdog uh, relative, you know, they're, they're like one of us as a wrestling fan. We saw it with the Baileys of the world in NXT uh, over time. And I think Cora Jade kind of has a similar attitude about herself. So it feels a little bit force fed, not very natural. We'll see where it goes from here. We'll see if the fans eat it up. I, I respect her. I, I saw some, uh, some videos on, on Twitter over on, I think Monday morning. Uh, I guess she was a big fan of CM Punk is like, you know, totally in love with professional wrestling. So uh, I respect that. Hopefully this this obviously works out for her because they see big things for her in NXT 2.0 so far. Uh, next match here is for the NXT Tag Team Championship as Imperium defeated Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Dr. Trey and I both had Imperium get the victory. Uh, this match started slow, then really picked up to where they had the crowd on the palm of their hands. Imperium needed this match to showcase again how good they are, and it accomplished that. Von Wagner tries to take out Kyle O'Reilly post-match, uh, with Kyle's future in NXT in question. Obviously, Kyle and Von Wagner have a match on Tuesday in the Steel Cage. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly loses. They do a little injury angle. We'll talk more about him uh, a little bit more in depth later on. But, Dr. Trey, this was a great match, Imperium defeating Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Yeah, Imperium, uh, Bartholomew, and Eichner may be my favorite tag team to watch. Wow. Just on, I mean, just on pure skill. All together? In all of wrestling? No, no. I I would not say maybe, like, I'll say, like, when you go back and remember how, like, how good FTR was before they really got the groove going. Like, when we first saw them. Like an American Alpha, too? Yeah, like the technical prowess of how good they moved together in the ring. Like, Imperium's right there with those guys. Uh, it's just going to be a question of do they develop personalities outside of Walter to really you know grab an audience in ring work wise they're phenomenal um, so I, I really enjoyed the match uh, I'm a big Fabian I've been a Fabian Iker fan since the uh, uh, Cruiserweight Classic I mean that guy is just an amazing athlete and Barthelis has kind of grown on me over the years uh, so I, I really enjoyed the match and, and even a little bit of the storyline afterwards which I, I don't think any of us were really surprised by what the storyline was coming out of that match. Yeah, it, no, we're not, based off everything that we read. Um, back to your Imperium point there, I thought heading into just before the pandemic, I thought they were on the cusp of, of having a breakout. Like, if things kept going the way they were, maybe they would be on Raw and SmackDown by this point. And then the pandemic happened, and they really fell off. Eichner and Barthel were not focused on NXT television all that much. Uh, good talkers, great in-ring workers, phenomenally strong. Uh, Fabian Eichner is like one of the strongest guys I've seen in all of wrestling. Um, and now it's nice to see them getting that that love again because they were great in NXT UK, great when they were in NXT uh, US here. So it's nice to see them getting some momentum again. But uh, yeah, the Von Wagner stuff 
with Kyle O'Reilly. We definitely saw that coming based off of all the reports from the week. Uh, and like I said, we'll get more about Kyle O'Reilly and uh, another potential departure from NXT here in just a little bit. Uh, the hair versus hair match, Cameron Grimes defeating Duck, uh, Duke Hudson. Dr. Trey and I both had Cameron Grimes getting the victory. Uh, the feud has been good, but this match really didn't do it for me as Cameron Grimes wins by rolling up Duck Hut- Duke Hudson by his tights. I don't know why I, I keep trying to call him Duck. Uh, the match felt short uh, and was put in a tough spot following that great tag team match. So not much more to write home about that one, Dr. Trace. Cameron Grimes defeats Duke Hudson. This kind of felt like the buffer gimmick. It's like we don't really need to do a whole lot with this match because we have the hair cutting coming post-match. And that's going to be the storyline. So that's I, I feel like they kind of cut the match short, and it felt a little rushed just to get to the haircutting angle. Now, the fallout with, with Duke wearing the blonde wig uh, on NXT, I think it was great. But, um, I mean, it, it feels a little bit edge, Kurt English, uh, from back in the day. Uh, but overall, it, it was, it's enjoyable. I mean, anything with Cameron Grimes, you and I will sit here and eat it up because I think he's one of our favorites in mm-hmm. all of wrestling. And, you know, Duke Hudson um, – is coming along. I just, you know, when you start mixing in the, uh, chase stuff with him, you know, the, what's the guy's name? Chase Grayson. No, not Grayson. Uh, Waller. Grayson Waller. No, no, no. The, what's his name? Chase. The guy that has the university, Andre chase. Oh, uh, Andre chase. Yep. Chase. Yeah. You. Like you kind of mix that stuff in there. It, it, it kind of, to me, dilutes it. Cause it doesn't feel like it's, you know, if, if you're having a hair versus hair match, man, that's, that's, you know that's serious and then you start mixing in another guy into the angle it kind of dilutes it a little bit but you know like i said anything with cameron grimes i'm a fan of they should have done a hair versus shave your chest match that might have mm. been more fun. I, I do like that duke hudson is running with the kurt angle stuff when he got his head shaved with the uh the wig and the wrestling headgear i think that was a yeah. nice like throwback touch from like 20 years ago now yeah and, and so for the young kids who don't study wrestling history it's original jeff true True. I, I like Duke Hudson. Uh, do you remember him as Brendan Vink in the beginning of the pandemic? He was tagging with Shane Thorne. Yeah, and didn't he team up with the Rust guy a little bit too? The who? Oh, Tyler Rust? Tyler Rust, yeah. I don't remember. Maybe, maybe. That was Thorne and Vink, and then Thorne went to Retribution, so they put Vink with Rust. And then they just said, we're releasing Rust and repackaging Vink. So. Uh, well, Rust was with Diamond Mine too. Yeah, for like a week and a half. Or yeah, Vink, like Vink, now Duke Hudson, he was being managed by MVP like in the beginning of the pandemic before the whole uh, Bobby Lashley stuff uh, started. Well, they had, if I'm not mistaken, I thought they had him with, like when he made his, he like he was briefly on NXT and I thought they had him with Bivens for a second before they went to MVP on Raw. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, it's so, I try to block out that period of time now in my life. Yeah, that was just, yeah, I get you. It, it was not, I, I not fun. Yeah. Not fun periods of time, obviously. Uh, next match here was Roderick Strong defeating Joe Gacy to retain the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. I had Joe Gacy, Dr. Trade, Roderick Strong, so another victory there. Uh, match was okay. Nothing special to take away from this match other than it was a solid performance by two good performers. Uh, I've really enjoyed the Joe Gacy character lately and figured a win would help him continue to catapult up the chain in NXT, but that was not the case. Uh, it looks like Joe Gacy's going to be responsible for the end of 205 Live because he uh, teased that on Tuesday that there should be a show that uh, is all welcoming and, and not and all inclusive and not excluding people. Uh, great gimmick, very real gimmick right now. Uh, but Roderick Strong gets the W, Dr. Train. He'll be taking on Braun Breaker later this uh, this week, uh, next this upcoming week's edition of uh, NXT 2.0. But your thoughts yeah. on the match, Roderick Strong winning. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an okay match. I mean, Gacy, I mean, to me, it wasn't spectacular, but to me, it was kind of one of those things where, like, I don't want to say they were going through the motions, but it was kind of like, it's a typical Roderick match, a typical Gacy match. I mean, they didn't give him 30 minutes. You know, it's, if you got a 15-minute time limit for your match, this is kind of what you're going to get. So I'm fine with that. The Gacy character I like because he feels like even when he loses, he feels like he wins because he opens eyes. Is, that woke character is, is really waking people up. And I, to me, like seeing how this thing plays out, I'm like, all right, so I guess, I mean, 205 Live and Jeff, to you and I, I mean, Odyssey Jones has been on there. Odyssey's 300 pounds. I mean, for crying out loud, at, at that point, change the name to something else. But it feels like the Cruiserweight Championship could become like the Openweight Championship or something. Mm, I don't really maybe. know. Um, but it does feel like it's trying to be more, you know, the whole inclusive. And let's, I want to show that it's more inclusive. I'm like, dude, you're literally on NXT. That literally is inclusive. So, I mean, it's a funny, it's a funny character to me because the things he's fighting against, he already has. Yeah, it, it's like I said, it's very real. It's a character that obviously upsets a lot of uh, people, especially wrestling fans. Um, it's stuff that you see out in the real world today. So it's he's killing it with that 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 gimmick. It's so much fun, and I can't wait to see Harlan wrestle uh, this Tuesday on NXT 2.0 as well, Doctor. I think that kid has a very bright future in the company. I think he has a very bright future. It's going to be interesting to see because he's kind of been playing like the silent, weird guy that backs him up for no reason. I mean, like in a way, he's Dexter Loomis just already in a cult. I mean, it's kind of like a weird thing because we haven't really heard him talk. We've just seen him backing up Gacy. It's weird watching a guy who's damn near 300 pounds who needs backup. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see where they go with the Harlan character. Uh, and then finally here, the men's war game match. As Team 2.0, Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo defeating Team Black and Gold, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and L.A. Knight. Uh, it was a solid, uh, Dr. Trey and I both just selected Team 2.0 to win as well. Solid War Games match. Uh, I wish this feud got a week or two more to get the build at a good spot. Uh, the story in this match was Braun Breaker pinning Tommaso Ciampa to get the victory for Team 2.0. While I wish the Team Black and Gold won, the result makes so much sense to have Team 2.0 Still get the big victory because why wouldn't you? You're you're repackaging the the, the brand as 2.0. Why wouldn't Team 2.0 win? But I think it could have used a couple more weeks of build up. Grayson Waller and Tony D'Angelo could have used uh, a lot more build to be you know on the same level uh, psychologically from a wrestling fan's perspective in this match. Not to take anything away from them, they're great gimmicks, great wrestlers. Uh, but Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker to me look like the guys that can really carry this 2.0 era. Uh, and then side note here, man, I got all the feels when uh, Johnny Gargano came out to Rebel Heart. Like, I, I don't know why, but it just brought back so many good memories of takeovers um, and that song just blasting and the crowd just eating it up. So Dr. Trey, Team 2.0 gets the victory over Team Black in Golden War Games. Yeah, result, not surprising. I'm, I'm with you on the other stuff, though. It's like, I wish they had more time to build up because Braun was kind of a baby face before this whole thing happened. Now he's kind of, I, 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 the lines of baby face with Braun and heel are kind of blurred because one minute he's helping Ciampa, the next minute he's competing with Ciampa, the next minute he's with Carmella, who's heel. Then he's kind of in the face of the diamond or the, the diamond mine. So it's a little over the place to them. I, I just feel like they're trying to get. Like, they know Braun's a star, so they're trying to get as much rub from everybody on him to shine him up nice. Uh, and the guy is going to be a star at some point. Um, but, yeah, like, the, the Gargano coming out to Rebel Heart, and I don't know if you caught this or not, Jeff, but if you looked at his gear, 
his gears a combination. Yeah. Like they took some of his old gear and stitched it all together to make the gear for this one. So that that one, I was like, that's so cool. Um, yeah, it got emotional. So like I, to me, it, it was it was a good match because I was emotionally invested in knowing. You know, I mean, we watched Ciampa and Gargano for years now, uh, Pete Dunne for years, you know, L.A. Knight. We've seen him all over for years, and then you have all these young upstarts. So it was a little bit of emotional investment, of course. So, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. it. It's not my favorite War Games match we've had. I mean, there's been, you know, quite a – I mean, it's probably right in the middle somewhere, maybe it's the bottom of it as well. But, uh, I mean, I was still entertained by it overall. Yeah, I mean, I felt like uh, another point because you, since you brought it up, I like LA Knight as well, but I, I don't think he was the right person for Team Black and Gold. Um, I, I would put Kyle O'Reilly or Roderick Strong on that team to make it feel like it had that Black and Gold era to it. Yeah, I just I just think that they were tied up in other stuff. I mean, I mean, True. really, I mean, I mean, Cameron Grimes has been on the roster longer than LA Knight. True. Yeah, yeah, he could have he could have served in that spot. So, but I mean, I, I think it's just you know the way the storyline was written. I think. To me, the the whole war games for the men was kind of like, oh crap, we haven't booked war games. Everybody else is kind of tied up except for these eight guys. So let's use these eight guys. How can we make the storyline fit? Oh, two point versus the old guys. Let's throw that because to me, like the rivalry with Dunn and Champa and Gargano over the years, and Knight's been a heel, but yet you have, you know, and then you have Breaker as a babyface you know, on the other side. Grayson Waller was working as a babyface up until yeah. recently. So it was kind of like it was weird how they put it all together, and I mean, literally, Jeff. At times, I don't know about if you got this. I literally had New Blood versus Millionaires Club vibe yeah. for just a little bit, uh, and and we know how well that worked out. Uh, God, I actually can't believe I actually went back a year ago and watched the Billy Kidman Hulk Hogan feud. That just reminds me. Ooh, of that. that was a bad one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of like, and that's how that that storyline you, you had guys going heel that were baby faces their entire careers and now all of a sudden now I gotta believe they're a bad guy and vice versa that's kind of how I felt with this one so you didn't get your allegiances aligned heading into the match but when you got Gargano possibly leaving the company the story history with him and Ciampa the history with Dunn and those guys and everything else it, it, it kind of brought you back in watching those guys work together alright so let's get to the pay-per-view prediction record here NXT War Games Dr. Trey went 5-0 and oh, I went 3-2 and two. Uh, that wraps it up for the year. We pre- predicted 23 uh, wrestling pay-per-views this year, spanned across from Impact Wrestling, WWE, NXT, and, of course, AEW. Uh, the final tally here, Dr. Trey, you went 105-41. and 41. I went 102-44. and 44. Congratulations. You are this year's pay-per-view predictions record uh, champion, my friend. Yeah, and amazing. I went 5-0 and for a show that I had not watched in, like, a month. So I don't know how I pulled that one off, but uh, yeah. Uh, luckily for you, we haven't been doing the singing thing the last couple true, of years, so true. I don't. I don't think you have to sing this year. True, uh, true. We got rid of that during the pandemic because it was a bad <laughs> year uh, for all of us, anyway. Yeah, the pandemic wiped out our vocal skills, so uh, that's that's a good that's a you know good thing for us. Uh, but yeah, it's just uh, hopefully next year I can repeat. Uh, just like I, I'm trying to repeat in our uh, SRTU Fantasy Football League. Ooh, shots fired. Shoot, shots fired, folks. Uh, match of the night, event rating. I gave it to Imperium and Kyle O'Reilly, Von Wagner, and I gave it a 3.1, Dr. Trey. Yeah, I actually went the men's match just because, you know, loyalty. You know, Gargano, Ciampa. Um, and they had me in my field by the end of that match, and I was, I was at a 3.2, so not the best NXT event. You know, and I mean, this may be the lowest rated one we've done. 
for any uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it here. We gave Vengeance Day 4.0, Stand and Deliver 3.5, 3.7. Uh, NXT TakeOver In Your House, I, I gave it 3.8, you gave it 3.9. TakeOver 36, 3.5, you gave it a 3.7. So, yeah, this is pretty low. I mean, for the year, this is one of the lower-rated shows we've we've definitely covered. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's still kind of that adjustment phase of we haven't formed bonds to all these new guys yet for us to, you know, get that emotional investment in this. And like I said, the men's match was kind of knee jerk put together. Uh, I mean, you look at the matches that we, you, we talked about here on the show, the ones we liked involved actual storylines and this, the women's match and the men's match kind of felt like they just kind of, you know, slammed it together at the last minute and threw it out there and said, here, it's war games. This is what you guys wanted for years. Just be happy you're getting a war game. Dr. Trey, speaking about uh, Team Black and Gold, uh, it would appear, based off of the War Games match and everything that we have uh, seen and heard over the past uh, 24 to 48 hours, that potentially the Team Black, the Black and Gold era of NXT uh, may have officially come to a close. Uh, loss at War Games, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and John, Johnny Gargano possibly leaving the brand. Um, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that the black and gold brand closed its chapter this past week? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, at this point, to me, when you think of black and gold, you go Ciampa, Gargano, Undisputed Era, Pete Dunne. Uh, you know, that was that was the big the big chunks of it. You know, plus some of the other guys. Your your uh, I don't I don't put Karrion Cross in there, but you know, your Keith Lee's, your Velveteens. And everybody's gone. It's basically right now down to Ciampa and Dunn. Uh, I mean, I'm still not 100% convinced that Gargano's leaving the company. Uh, but with, you know, Candace due to give birth here the next couple months, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I think Kyle O'Reilly's gone. At this point, yeah, it does kind of feel like that, that chapter of the black and gold brand has closed. Because even if Gargano comes back and it's just Gargano, Ciampa, and Dunn floating around, you know, we're seeing what they're doing with the rest of the division, how they're pushing everybody else, they're pushing all the young stars. It, it kind of feels like, you know, that era has officially moved on uh, into the era of the multicolored NXT. Yes, um, the like the Ultimate Warrior uh, version of NXT almost. Um, it's... Yeah. You know, I feel like they've been slowly closing this chapter over the last couple months when they made the 2.0 change. I was not in favor of it. I do like what WWE is doing, but when I compare it to the black and gold era of NXT, it it just does not compare. I I really feel like we're, we're just going to scratch the surface of this subject because I think this could really be a, a show in its own. And I know say that I say this from time to time, but I legitimately think that because I think it's something that you and I were very passionate about was this black and gold era of NXT and its impact on professional wrestling. I, I do think it has come to a close. There are reports out there that there's a belief that Johnny Gargano and or Kyle O'Reilly could be back in NXT uh, relatively soon, that they ran these angles to either write them off or bring them back. Um, I think I would probably put my money more on Gargano than I would O'Reilly. But it's sad that these wrestlers over the last several months – um, the Adam Coles, Johnny Gargano's, and Kyle O'Reilly's reached the end of their contract, and 
they'd rather be a free agent and think about their future, which kind of just tells you where maybe their head's at with the direction of NXT 2.0 right now. And then, of course, the releases of guys like Bobby Fish and um, uh, what's what was Jonah's name in, in NXT? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember now. Bron- the Cl- Bronson Reed, yep. Um, Swerve Scott. I, I mean, they just had a really – the run. I, I think from 2014 to 2021 may be the closest thing we have seen – to an ECW than ever before. I mean, as a wrestling fan, as a hardcore wrestling fan, a diehard wrestling fan, Dr. Trey, um, and I'd love your thoughts on this, whenever an NXT TakeOver came on my television, I knew the show was always going to deliver. Like, there's very few times I watch an NXT TakeOver and didn't feel satisfied from what I watched. It was craving the appetite of professional wrestling that I enjoy. It had that small promotional field despite being under the wwe umbrella it brought in wrestlers that i never thought i would see wrestle in nxt uh, wwe in period from Sami Zayn to kevin owens to shinsuke nakamura to finn balor uh, to samoa joe it was one of the best time periods for wrestling fans that i've ever seen um it's sad, man. It, it, it ushered in the women's revolution into WWE, kind of changed the game for women's wrestling in the 2010 era, in my opinion. Um, it's sad to see how this is closed out, but I do think the chapter of it is over. And I think the impact black and gold era of NXT had is incredibly big. I think if there wasn't for an NXT, there wouldn't be an AEW. Um, I think that's a bold thing to claim, but I truly feel that way. I think AEW, a lot of people think because it's on TNT and TBS, has a WCW feel to it, but it has a more of an NXT ECW feel than it does uh, a w, uh, WCW feel than it ever did. So to me, Dr. Trey, I think it's one of the most fun eras we've ever covered on this show. The black and gold era from 2014 when the WWE Network launched to let's call it over for now, the 2021 year. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely loved it. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here on the impact of the black and gold era in, in professional wrestling. You know, as we're talking about this and then going back to the previous question about, you know, the end of the black and gold era to me, when they left full sale, that, that was kind of, to me, the end of NXT, like they tried to do it through the pandemic and it was, it was okay, you know, doing it for the performance center, but really like it lost that, that, that vibe. Um, you know, you mentioned ECW, you think of, you know, being in the Hammerstein ballroom like that, that you knew the guys in the crowd, you knew who was saying what, and, and there were times Jeff, you and I sat here and we gave full sale people shit, um, and, and where they were trying to be part of the show, uh, ECW fans did the same thing. So I, I kind of, I don't want to be retrospectively apologetic about it, but it, that's what kind of created that buzz. That's what created that vibe. And, and you had that small show feel to it with decent production value. And, um, you know, that that run there at Full Sail, to me, is what solidified NXT. I mean, you go back to when I first tried to get you to watch the show back in 2011, and they were running it out of the warehouse for FCW, and you look at those shows, and you're like, man, like production-wise, wasn't great. And ring work was always good, but you had no crowd reaction, like it was kind of dead. 
you know, it's kind of like watching those old WCW uh, uh, worldwide shows, where it was like in the in the little sound studio, there's like 15 people in the crowd and they're all free. You know, they're just uh, wrestling. All right, we'll watch it. Once it got to full sale and it kind of created that vibe and that little perfect bubble that they were in there, that's when it launched and took off. And then, you know, the last year and a half, you know, from the pandemic era up to now, it just it dissipated. And yeah. Die away. And it, it was sad because it was literally like watching somebody die, you know? And then, yeah, it's kind of, they're trying to get it reborn, but. Man, like right now, there are times I watch this and I think back to how much I love the ECW and how much I hated WWE CW. And, and I have those moments where I'm like, I'm watching this and like literally we're having like NXT originals, you know, <laughs> against the against NXT 2.0. And it was kind of like ECW originals versus the new. I mean, like, oh, like there's so many like correlations. I, I do have much higher hopes for the people, the, 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 the workers in NXT 2.0 going forward, because I think they just had a little more talent than some of the other guys, but I, you get a lot of these you know, vibes where you're like, why are you, why'd you guys kill something off that was transcendent and, and changed the way... That, I mean, NXT made it okay for a lot of guys to wrestle that indie style on TV and get it seen nationwide, and that's why... You know, you see all these guys get these big money deals from AEW because that's that's what that's what the end style is for most wrestling fans is that quote unquote flippy shit. Uh, you know that you and I bemoan at times, but NXT made that cool. Just NXT did a better job with tying in storylines to make it mean something. Where as much as I love AEW, there are times I watch it, I'm like, man, you know, just the story here and there, and, and the story that was you know con- contiguous would be you know make me happy. You know, I always felt like NXT had a shelf life when it came to WWE, and I think its shelf life definitely reached a point during the pandemic. It struggled. It lost its heart. It lost its energy, not not being in front of fans and full sail. Um, The way I gauge this as a wrestling fan in my mid-30s now is it takes a lot for me, and I think you, you feel this way as well, Dr. Trey. It takes a lot for me to want to go to uh, like a big promotional wrestling show, a WWE uh, in this instance. And it, it has to be something big, a Money in the Bank, a SummerSlam, a Survivor Series, a WrestleMania, then I'll go out there. If there's a match or a wrestler I want to go see, I've, I've gone to shows because Brock is on the card, uh, because The Rock is on the card. Um, those are the reasons why I, I would go. Over the last couple of years, the wrestling shows that I've been to is I would make a point when when I go away on vacation to go down to Full Sail University and watch an NXT TV taping, whether it was part of the live stuff would be the last time I went um, or when they were doing like four weeks of shows. Like I saw McIntyre return. I saw Alistair Black make his Full Sail debut. Shinsuke Nakamura say goodbye. Uh, I I saw Keith Lee defeat Roderick Strong, who was North American champion at the time on the live show when they were going head to head with AEW. Um, I've been able to, to, you know, kind of see it all. And then when they were in the Brooklyn area, I would make a point to go to NXT takeover. I, I could not get tickets for the very first NXT takeover in Brooklyn. Uh, they were sold out. It was one of the hardest tickets I've ever had to get in my life. NXT takeover, uh, Brooklyn two is the show that I went to. And it was just a great energy. It was just a great vibe. It was a very fun time. The full sale shows were a lot of fun. Um, and I made a point to go watch NXT and be there live. I, f- I feel like I got to go to an AEW show. Um, 
personally speaking, some of the stuff with, with obviously COVID is, has me a little bit more uh, cautious with with that type of risk right now. But I certainly will make a point to go to an AEW show at some point. But I had a chance to go to NXT 2.0 when I was away on vacation a couple weeks back, Dr. Trey. Um, had a chance to get the tickets. And we decided not to go to the show. I was like, you know, I don't really feel like going to the Performance Center uh, to go watch NXT 2.0. And I think that's telling because I, I loved going to the NXT shows when I could when I was in town in Florida. And I chose not to. It, it, to me, it's one of the most impactful eras in professional wrestling uh, recent history. Um, and like I said, I think we could do an entire show on it. I really, I really, truly do. And we will have to at some point once the smoke clears. Um, and maybe we have some time for some of these some special shows that we can really focus on this stuff. But it, to me, it's the most fun I've seen. And I'm with you. I, I get WWE ECW vibes when I watch 2.0 as well. But I also get vibes, to be fair to the product, I still I do get early NXT black and gold era vibes as well. I do like Braun Breaker. I do like Carmelo Hayes. I think there's a lot of upside. But damn it, it was something that was so good, so uh, genuine, so organic, so much fun, great energy. It's sad to see the black and, era, black and gold era end for NXT, Dr. Trey. Yeah, it's, you're right. Like For me... It takes a lot to motivate me to actually go out in public anymore, to actually go to a big public event. And, you know, like SmackDown is actually scheduled to come to Birmingham uh, in March. And I'm like, that's WrestleMania season. I'm like, that's got me kind of interested because, you know, SmackDown's probably my second favorite show to watch right now behind AEW. So, you know, I'm kind of interested in, in seeing that, especially after that will be, you know, post Rumble. But, you know, when you look at that run they had, it, it was so good. And, you know, 2.0 kind of reminds me of early FCW when you had a lot of people that you know nobody knew about. They weren't really citing the indie guys. It was, you know, your Bo Dallas's and, you know, some of those guys like that that we, we kind of watched when NXT was first launched. Um, so, I mean, I do have higher hopes for 2.0 maybe than I did for WWECW. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is sad because, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of like in a way watching your favorite promotion close down. You know, it, it's it's has that ECW vibe to it where you're like, man, it's going to suck not having these guys around. Even though you might see them in this new iteration, it, it's not the same. Uh, I meant to ask you, though, also, have you ever been to the Performance Center? I have not yet, no. And that was part of the reason why I so, wanted to go, because just to be like, oh, I was out of show at the Performance Center. So I've been by there a couple times. It was before the pandemic, so it was basically still just a training center. That parking lot is very small. So I, I kind of want to go to a show just so I see how they did the parking, uh, which is probably why another thing that makes me know that I'm old. I just want to see how the parking's handled. <laughs> um, it's funny that you bring that up. So one of the reasons why, um, when you're away on vacation, sometimes you rent a car, sometimes you don't. I didn't have a rental car, but you can't park at the performance center. So you have either have to drive to full sale to get on a bus to go to the performance center, or you have to take an Uber, Lyft, what have you, to get to the performance center. Really? Because like, yes. So pre-pandemic, I literally drove up to the performance center, parked right in front of it, just to take a picture. Um, so yeah, like that whole transportation thing just sounds like such a hassle. It's one of the reasons. Although yeah. I did, I did Uber for WrestleMania when I was in New Orleans. We did. I did. I was like, man, I'm not driving anywhere near oh. Street. I could. Yeah. I, I'm down with that. I could be down with that. That makes sense. But there was also, though, because 
is Bourbon Street, the vibe, the ambiance, everything else like that. But I did drive to the Superdome for the show. So, but that, but it's a huge arena. So the parking is going to be easier to get in and out. And, you know, you have people that know how to handle that stuff. But, like, the performance there is almost like in a strip mall. You know, it's kind of like there's like other buildings like right there around it. So, like, when that whole thing came up, like, God, the parking's got to be god awful for that because there's just, I think in front of the PC, there was probably maybe like 18 to 20 parking spots, and that was it. Yeah. So I, it's weird. It's it's something I, we consider to do, and uh, fortunately, we we did not go through with it. Um, like I said, I think we need to do a black and gold era of NXT uh, special show um, relatively soon. I, I think I, I I think this topic to me, Doctor Trey, like without a doubt, is like a one hour show deal to me. To, to me, I think it would be. Oh, at least because we're gonna have memories, we're gonna have lists, we'll have. Uh biggest influences and biggest flops uh, <laughs> like that alone that like you and plus you and i can ramble forever about wrestling let alone the nxt black and gold brand so yeah that we say an hour we could probably do at least two hours on it if we really wanted to absolutely absolutely so st- keep an eye on that it this is like a really weird holiday schedule because usually dr trey and i put some stuff in the can but WWE doing uh, a pay-per-view on new year's day kind of <laughs> changes things around <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, so anyway, um, sad news about NXT Black Gold, but uh, other really sad news is over the weekend, the reports out there that Jeff Hardy may have been somewhat impaired during a house show um, six-man tag team match. Uh, reports came out today. I don't think WWE has formally announced this still, but uh, all the wrestlers obviously uh, acknowledging it that Jeff Hardy has reportedly been released by World Wrestling Entertainment um, after they offered him rehab and it was declined um dr trey this is a we have not heard his side of the story yet but for the time being this is another sad chapter in the historic career of jeff hardy i am completely bummed about this because he was finally getting an opportunity on television um after kind of just being a meddling like low to mid carter um we don't know much about this situation and rightfully so but this is extremely sad news that he's no longer employed with wwe yeah, uh, it, it's it's frustrating um, and sad as a fan of Jeff Hardy, uh, somebody that you know we've run in close circles for God the better part of twenty years. Like we have a lot of interconnected friends, not just in wrestling, but just from my time living in North Carolina. And you know, you go back to the early shows of SRTU when the Hardys were having their personal demons and struggles and go back and listen to some of those shows and it's heartbreaking because you know matt and jeff are obviously two of the most talented performers in the history of the wrestling business for their influence over a generation i mean matt hardy i mean jeff hardy has influenced so many professional wrestlers i mean it's limitless in the amount of guys who have emulated his style over the years i mean hell you look at the young bucks and some of the young bucks didn't see Matt and Jeff and they were like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Um, Jeff Hardy, you know, was one of those guys, like the smaller guys that, you know, should have never made it into business and became one of the biggest stars. Um, and, and it's frustrating in the sense that this is not the first time this has happened, you know, over the course of the years, but it, maybe the upside of this is Jeff, you know, gets the help on his own and, 
gets to go work with AEW and his brother, who seems to have kind of a calming influence on him when he's together. Uh, and, and Jeff could have, you know, a, a little bit of a farewell tour through AEW. It also says, like, I literally bought a Jeff Hardy figure for Sammy maybe two weeks ago. You know, and it's just like, guys, you just love the guy and you always want him to do good. And then he's his own worst enemy, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is more of a what if wrestler than Jeff Hardy to me, Dr. Trey, because there's been times where early on in his career, you were like, this is potentially the next Shawn Michaels, right? Like him and Matt were oh, yeah. like rockers like. Um, and you felt like once Jeff broke out, he was going to become this megastar, and he ran with the Intercontinental Championship. And for a period of time, he's wrestling in ladder matches against The Undertaker and, and, and breaking through. He's stealing the show night after night, and then he finally becomes WWE Champion years down the line. And then kind of the world comes crashing down again on him. And uh, he goes to Impact Wrestling, he's successful there, but it's, you know, in and out of trouble, in and out of issues. Uh, makes his way to WWE, and it seemed like he was in a good spot again. Um, he had, I believe, a drinking and driving r- arrest um, back during his time again with WWE. I think maybe just one, maybe two. But, um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing, and this is obviously just according to reports, that um, him turning down the rehab is, is disappointing. His wife did tweet out today, Jeff is good, we are good, post that you, quote, heard that, Thanks with uh, the peace sign emoji. I really don't know how to take that. I, I don't think WWE just releases him for no good reason. Obviously, there was some sort of impairment. I don't know if you saw the videos from that house show, Dr. Trey. I did. Something was not right there. He has a history of it, a track record of it. He's an admitted addict and alcoholic. Um, I'm just sad because I'm a huge Jeff Hardy fan, and you hate to see your favorites let you down like this again. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it's a total bummer uh, on so many levels. It's just, you know, when you look at the house cleaning WWE has done over the last, we talked about 12 to 18 months and, and all the releases and all the people they've let go, and they hung on to Jeff because they know Jeff is special. And a lot of times if you're special, you get special circumstances uh, for people to keep you around. And you know, you look at, uh, you know, was it Jimmy Uso that's had like mm-hmm. two DUIs in the last, you know, 12 months. And, you know, Randy Orton's history and his battles and stuff like that. And, and because these guys are special, they can, you know, kind of justify it in their mind. But, you know, I guess in WWE's eye of mind, you know, at this point, Jeff's career, you know, what left does he have to offer that they can capitalize on and make his circumstances special? Saying on to it, and if they reach out and they offer him help, and he's like, "No, no, no, I don't need your help. I, I don't know what other recourse they had, but to go ahead and release them." Yeah, I, they don't. They don't have a choice, right? I mean, yeah. um, you have to if figure that WWE's in the right here. No, yeah. if he's that, imp- and plus, if he's coming to the ring that impaired, he's not only a danger to himself, but he's a danger to the guys that he's worked with. I mean, you go back there. You know, you like that match with Turning Point and uh, Impact with him and Sting, you know, yeah. and how bad he was then, and Sting just ended the match. You know, you're in a six-man tag. That's five other guys that are are counting on you and depending on you to be in a good headspace. And if you're that impaired and 
not functioning properly, and if that is the reason that you're inebriated, uh, there there is no other recourse because you're, you're you're no good and a danger to everybody around you, including yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just overall disappointing, right? I mean, yeah. What else is there to say about this? Honestly, it's it's like we've lived it before, and uh, unfortunately, he's he's let us down again, Doctor Trey. According to reports, like I. But again, I think just to, I'm just saying that just to be fair to him because he hasn't told his side of the story. But I, I, I just feel like that WWE doesn't make this uh, move for no reason. Yeah, I mean, if they were going to make that move, they would have made it. I mean, they would have made it when they were releasing Karrion Cross and, and, and Keith Lee. I mean, because Jeff obviously is probably making a pretty good paycheck. And yeah. they kept him and released guys who were younger and maybe not as talented but up there. I mean, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, those guys are up there in his, on his level. And they kept Jeff. And then to have this happen is, is just so disappointing across the board. Uh, yep, sad news. I, I wish we didn't have to report on it, but uh, according to reports, Jeff Hardy re- reportedly released by WWE today um, after turning down uh, rehab that was offered to him. Um, switching over to AEW briefly here, Dr. Trey, uh, this past Wednesday's Dynamite was in the, the UBS Arena in Long Island, New York, the hometown of MJF. And uh, surprisingly enough, AEW sent a- MJF out there and he played a babyface role. It was something we have not seen him ever do. It's probably the only place that he will do that. He seemed very genuine. He seemed to be breaking character breaking the kayfabe he cut a promo pro post aew that was very much uh breaking character something that he does not do which was kind of refreshing and cool to see i'm an mjf fan he returns home as a baby face uh for the most part despite the ricky starks uh tagging up with him to beat up dante martin but it was i, I think the kid's a superstar and he could still pull the gimmick off as a babyface, and it was the first time that actually, we, actually, we saw that teased a little bit, and uh, I liked it. I'm an MJF fan, and it was uh, it was cool to see this past Wednesday night on Dynamite. It, it reminded me of when Bret Hart was a heel, but he would cut babyface promos when they would be in, in, in Calgary or in Toronto. That's what was, MJF was going for, I think. Yeah, it just it brought back those memories, and I think it's a, it's a good move if you're going to be in a town, and if you're gonna if you're the heel, but you know the town you're in is your hometown, and they're going to cheer you like crazy. Run with it, sell some MJF merchandise, make Punk be the heel for his show, because everywhere else Punk will still probably be the babyface. So it made a lot of sense because that's what WWE did back in the days of of Brett and Sean and and Brett and Taker and Brett and she, like they were in Canada. Brett's the babyface. If we're in America, Brett's the heel. It, it makes a lot of sense to do it. Um, and then plus you can explore that side of MJF, which has not been explored in his career. I have never seen him work babyface, and I've watched this kid from all of, like, the time back in the independence. I've never seen him work babyface. So it, it was refreshing. It was different. Um, and once again, you're just exploring those boundaries that, hey, if we ever turn MJF heel or babyface across the board – could he be a guy that we could put, you know, push that way? And, you know, the guy can talk. He's a good-looking kid. He can work. Those, that's a babyface quality as well. So uh, kudos for AEW for, you know, doing a little bit of experimentation 
uh, with the MJF CM Punk storyline, which is probably the most compelling storyline the show has going for it right now. Yeah, he uh, he always works heel. He always seems like when he's going to go one way, he swerves you. He didn't swerve at all, Dr. Trey, really, for the most part on the fans, which uh, was was different for him. And I, I was surprised they went down that path, Dr. Trey. i got to be honest with you. Like him slapping hands with the fans, like leaning up against them like Jericho used to do. Like it was so out of character for MJF. But he, he rocked that Brett in Canada stuff that uh, – that fans ate up in, in 97. Yeah. And it's, you know, and in, in certain areas, because the way the country is situated right now with, you know, you come to the South, if you mentioned New York, we hate New York, we hate California. We hate the liberal, the liberal areas. It is one of those things where like, you can pull this off. And although AEW is a national company, you can almost make it territorial because the Northeast response is going to be different than a Midwest response. A Midwest response is different from a West coast, West coast from the South. You could almost do this across the country, just depending on what area you're in and who you're working with. I mean, it's it's a really cool way to kind of experiment. And if you're a young company, you can get away with it because it looks refreshing and different because people haven't seen it in uh, 25 years. He's a very talented kid, MJF. I've been saying that for a long time. And uh, it was a really cool moment to see on AW television, something completely out of character. They ran with it, and I thought it came off very, very well. Um, the last thing that has been kind of out of character that I've talked about here on the last a couple uh, shows a couple weeks ago, but I really enjoyed it this past Friday's edition of SmackDown. The Brock Lesnar, Sami Zayn segments were gold. They were great. Babyface Brock continues to be really entertaining, Dr. Trey. Where has this Brock been the last 10 years? Well, Jeff. You forget about Boombox Brock. When he had the Boombox. Oh, yeah, and the stuff with R-Truth. Yes, like that was actually pretty entertaining as well. It, it just That wasn't the character they were going for. He was the, the killer. Like, he was the, you know, the, the, the Terminator, so to speak. Like, don't show personality. I mean, in, in a sense, when you look at Roman Reigns, Roman sh- isn't sh- like his personality is very down to earth, very much that killer as well. It's just Roman can, Roman can cut a better promo typically than than Brock can. But the stuff with Brock and Sammy was so. And, and plus, Sammy brings out the best in like everybody he works with, like promo wise. So um, it just makes me uh, sad that if uh, that we're not going to get to see another Sammy Kevin Owens run together as heels because you go back to WrestleMania 34, that was some of the best stuff around. So. Uh, but fun Brock, fun Brock is fun. Um, you know, I just, I got, I got, I thoroughly got a kick out of it. And like I said, Boombox Brock was really fun too. But this fun loving Brock uh, is fantastic because he gets he gets a bad rap for potentially not giving a damn, right? Like he doesn't give a shit about the business. As we we've said it here on the show, but it it seems I mean you've heard it backstage that he has a good mind for the business. You just really don't know about it. And it seems like he's kind of eating up this personality lately, which has been very fun to watch. Well, you know, if you go back to that feud he had with Seth, uh, post, uh, WrestleMania 32, I think it was, um, maybe after the Dean Ambrose stuff. Uh, I think, are you thinking after 31 when Seth cashed in? Yeah. And then we had Brock Seth for a little bit like, yeah, there yeah, were times yeah. In that run where Brock looked like he was having fun in the ring. 
True. Yeah, and I remember you, saying you that. And I, you and I sat here and said, when Brock looks like he's having fun, he looks way more invested in what he's in what he's doing, and and that energy always translates. And then, you know, you go back to Brock and, and Moxley is like he just looks like he's going through the motions. And there's been times in this ten years where it feels like he's just going through the motions, and you can feel that in the TV. Like right now, he looks like he's having fun, which as an audience makes us feel it. And then we have more fun seeing it because it's not coming off fake. It's not coming out forth like this. This looks like this looks like Brock if he was in the APA back during the if Brock was in the APA during the Attitude Era, just drink a beer, beat somebody's ass, have some fun, make you know make jokes, and just you know be that bar you know, you know ass kicking bar guy. Like Brock looks like the guy that you would want to go hang out with at a bar, have a few drinks, piss the guy off just because you knew you had Brock to beat the guy's ass for you. And then I thought Sammy in his role was phenomenal. I, I mean, him to say that he had a guardian angel uh, in Brock Lesnar. I, I, they, I was watching the show and I watched it on DVR. And at the one hour and 30 minute mark, so like 90 minutes into the show, Sammy Zayn's coming out for his match with Roman Reigns. So I'm like, shit, man, they're going to get a lot of time. It seems like, like, was this going to be two, three segments? Um, but then it was like they were running all these packages. Sammy's still in the ring. Then he's cutting the promo. Brock comes out, F5. They go to break. Reigns comes out. They're propping Sammy up. Like It, it was just weekend at Bernie Sam- Sammy. I think that's what um, Pat, Pat McAfee said. Like um, He was just as good in that segment, and it was very entertaining. I know WWE is a little bit more of the entertaining stuff. But I really enjoyed the Brock and Sammy interaction this past Friday's edition of SmackDown, Dr. Trey. And I'd be totally down for it uh, because this this current run of Brock Lesnar has been really, really fun and very well done. It's, it's refreshing to see. And I think that's what has made the WWE product, in my opinion, this is a little bit of a bold uh, statement here. I think the WWE product since the last part of the year, the last quarter of the year, has been more entertaining than AEW lately. Uh, I would say SmackDown. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if I can say Raw all the time. Uh, Raw's had some good shows lately, though. It, it's gotten better, but I think SmackDown has been very, very consistently good for a very long good time. They do a great job of storyline writing and tying it all together. And, and Jesus Christ, Jeff, I did not know that I want to see Brock and Sandy. I want to see a Brock and Sandy like ride along show. Like, I want to see <laughs> these guys interact way more. I want to see Sammy being the riddle to Lesnar's uh, Randy Orton. Like, I, I need to see this. I need to see more of this. Odd couples work in professional wrestling. I'm here for it. Ride along uh, or just do a show. Brock and Sammy. A dinner for two <laughs> with, Brock, with Brock and Sammy. Sammy Zayn is so damn good. For a guy that uh, allegedly spent most of his career behind a, a mask where you couldn't really see his facial reactions, ever hear him talk is great on the stick, great with his facial reactions, and is just an all-around f- fantastic performer. Um, so great stuff by Brock and Sammy. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the show. Let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebowershow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTUJeff, and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRT Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? 
Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. We just had a huge show this past Saturday, uh, featuring the return of my lovely wife, the Enchantress Eden, uh, to Rocket City for the first time in six months. Uh, so glad to see her back in the swing of things, beating the crap out of people. Uh, also, Jeff, uh, Rocket City Wrestling Con Five coming up this May. Uh, I will tell you, I can't tell you who's been booked on the air yet that it hasn't been officially made. But Jeff, I'll tell you off the air, it, it, the 13 year old boy in you will fanboy out over a couple people on this list. Wow. Okay. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> so, but that's coming up in May, I believe May 21st. Uh, we'll be Rocket League Wrestling Con 5 uh, from the beautiful Hazel Green, Alabama, inside the Rocket City Championship Wrestling Arena. So there you go. Support all the great things that support the Still Real Toss show. Uh, and in two weeks' time, on the 23rd Christmas week, uh, our holiday programming schedule kicks off our Christmas wishes for professional wrestling in 2022, and we listen back to our 2021 bold predictions. The last show of 2021 on the 30th of December in three weeks, the 2021 SRTU Award Show Special, and we'll also preview and predict a WWE Day 1 pay-per-view. Uh, and then we'll kick it off in 2022 on the 6th of January, the 2022 Wrestling Preview Show. WrestleMania 38 card, 2022 bold predictions, and the WWE Day 1 pay-per-view recap and review edition of SRTU. So a lot coming up here on your podcasting and listening feed here in the coming weeks. We'll recap Winter is Coming AEW, uh, Winter is Coming uh, on next week's edition of the show. We'll fill you in with everything else that's going on in the world of professional wrestling and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for downloading. Spread the word. Let's finish the year strong here on the Still Real Toast Show. Congratulations again to Dr. Trey for winning the pay-per-view predictions battle for 2021. Until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Pack. This is the Still Real Toast Show. Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Ready PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. You. I'll marry you. Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Ready PG-13. Streaming now only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com.